right. It's a cold, windy, wintry-like Thursday here in El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, to the program. For those of you that woke up with snow outside and you realized it was probably going to last less than an hour, hope you enjoyed it. I did. I had, for, for at least five minutes, there were big flakes coming down. And I had to take my son to school in that weather, which was awesome, because you couldn't see that well. Everybody was backed up because of the snow. And hey, uh, and then like a half an hour later, it, it wasn't even, it was gone without a trace. Like nothing ever happened. That's what I love about El Paso. You know, you see the weather, and for a minute you're like, hmm, this could be really bad. And then you take a breath and you realize, nope, it'll be gone before you know it. And that's exactly the way it was. But it's still cold. It's really windy out right now. And the wind chills are probably this wind chills probably in the low 30s right now. Um, you know, this is I'm just happy that uh, Chihuahua's baseball doesn't start for another, what, uh, 29 days because it would be miserable being out at Southwest University Park to watch a baseball game in this weather. I can't imagine who would want to play baseball in this weather right now, Adrian. I'm just looking forward to UTEP basketball tonight and getting ready for the Miners to uh, finalize their uh, you know their home schedule with the last two games tonight and uh, Saturday at noon. You know what, Steve? Uh, I'll just say this: I loved watching the mountains um, from my, you know, uh, for my work from home station this morning while it was getting dusted with snow. I thought that was beautiful as far as the sight. But everybody who's on the road, it felt like it was awful. Uh, but I thought the best tweet of the morning goes to text. El Paso. Basically, they said what you were just saying: Don't like the weather in El Paso. Wait twenty minutes and it'll change. And that's really the reality right there. We have snow and then sunshine all in the morning or all within the span of four hours this morning. Uh, and now we get a chance to talk UTEP men's basketball. It's we're, we're just a few hours away from tip-off, and this is a big one for the Miners. They need to get this victory under their, their belt tonight. That is true. Uh, it's happening at 7 o'clock. Our coverage starts at 6.30. Miner talk afterwards. Can't wait for Miner talk. Can't wait to have you back. I'm, I'm happy that Sal held the fourth down this past weekend with Zay. But uh, this is, you know, look, this is, this is your baby. Uh, when we first decided to do my inner talk, you volunteered to do it. You have been spearheading it ever since, and they're happy to have you and Sal in the driver's seat together for the show. Should be a lot of fun after the postgame, uh, and Western Kentucky's in town. It is a big one. Miners, Miners are in a weird spot. They really are. Like, they're 10th, and they could move up as high as 7th, but if they do, they'll, they'll still play the 10 seed, and... Again, in my mind, the thing you really don't want is for UTEP to be in the 8 or the 9 position because if they are in the 8 or 9 spot and they win their game against the uh, 8 or 9 seed, depending on where they would go, uh, their reward is Florida Atlantic in the quarterfinals. And uh, no, thank you. That is not what I would want if I'm a UTEP fan. I don't want to see Florida Atlantic any earlier than I have to. No, I want to avoid FAU, and I want to avoid UAB. North Texas, I feel like, if you had to take a pick and a a choice out of the top four teams in Conference USA, you probably take your pick between the Owls, uh, I mean, excuse me, the Mean Green over the Owls and the Blazers. UAB plays uh, is playing really well right now, and FAU was a ranked team pretty much for the better half of of, uh, Conference USA play. Uh, nationally. North Texas is that team I feel like UTEP can compete with on their best night. You're right. Absolutely right. 
So, um, you know, that's that's the storyline. So what do you do if you're UTEP? I guess, I mean, I was trying to think about this, Adrian. If they split these next two games, could that still put them in eighth or ninth? I guess it could. Yeah, it definitely could. Um, it's weird because all of this is also contingent on everybody else in Conference USA. I exactly. mean, you have La Tech right now, seven, uh, seven and thirteen right now is their projection. They're expected to split this week, uh, according to Ken Palm, but they are still thirteen and sixteen, just like FIU, just like right mm-hmm. now UTEP is thirteen and sixteen. All three of those teams. Well, I'm thinking about this. Um, didn't the Miners sweep the series with FIU? Yes. So if they finish tied with FAU, they win the tiebreaker. Correct. Which, um, you know, is, that, that might not be a good thing. And, and FIU this week, in case you're wondering, folks, uh, they play at La Tech and at Rice. I, mean, I think they go. They probably go 0-2. I think so, too, especially if they don't have Denver Jones like yeah. they didn't have against the Miners. And since they have a game lead on UTEP, that would mean that if UTEP splits these next two games – and FIU loses the next two, then they'd both be seven and thirteen, and UTEP would move up, and La Tech would, and FIU would ultimately slide down potentially to uh, to tenth, which uh, could put UTEP playing La Tech in the eight nine game, um, with the winner getting FAU in the second round. Although. Western Kentucky, UTEP's opponents tonight. They're seven and eleven. It's so weird. Like Western Kentucky is seven and eleven. Middle Tennessee is eleven and seven. Okay. And then you've got UTEP in this crazy grouping with Western Kentucky, Florida International, and La Tech. Okay, those are the those are the other three teams. Rice is two games ahead of UTEP, but as we said earlier, even if Rice was to lose two and the Miners won two, Rice would still win the tiebreaker. But I don't see Rice losing to FIU. I think they'll probably lose to FAU, so they probably split. And let's just say Rice goes nine and eleven. That makes sense. FIU could be seven and thirteen. Um, depending on what happens with Western Kentucky, you know, they might end up being eight and twelve. And then La Tech, the other team to keep a close eye on this weekend because of their schedule, they play FIU and, and they host FAU. So let's just say they split, okay? Then that means that La Tech would be, uh, and this is kind of interesting, La Tech splits, they go 8-12. and 12. Uh, I'm sorry, 7, no, they're 7-13. and 13. That's right. La Tech will be 7-13. and 13. If UTEP splits, they're 7-13. and 13. And FIU could be 7-13 and 13 if they lose to Rice and La Tech this weekend. And then Western Kentucky could be 8-12. and 12. So if you have three teams tied at 7-13, and 13, La, Florida International um, would probably be the 10th seed, although I don't know how they've done against uh, La Tech this season. I have to look. They beat La Tech 66-62 earlier this season, and then um, they play them again tonight. So that's for FIU. So... You know, if La Tech, um, if La Tech wins, they split the series. It's confusing, isn't it, to try to yeah. see how this whole thing goes? I still think UTEP would probably end up being the nine seed. La Tech would be the eight seed, and most likely FIU would be the ten seed. Well, I think you would probably, if you're rooting for UTEP, to try to get that seven seed, which seems 
uh, hard to reach right now, based on the path that we're just illustrating right here. If you're rooting for that, wouldn't you root for Florida International tonight to beat Louisiana Tech? That way, FIU can have that advantage over La Tech, and then UTEP could have the advantage over FIU if UTEP were to beat Western Kentucky tonight. If and, middle, and Middle Tennessee. Correct, because at that point, because UTEP, you'd, you'd kind of have to think UTEP would be uh, have to be eight and twelve to get that uh, seventh spot. Just remember, FIU, um, if they win tonight, then they're suddenly eight and eleven. So then you want FIU to um, to lose, and that's another thing. FIU, as I mentioned earlier, if they end up um, beating La Tech tonight and then they lose to Rice on Saturday, which is possible. Then, um, if that happens, then uh, FIU would finish um, eight and twelve. So, if UTEP was to sweep the series this weekend, they would be eight and twelve. FIU would be eight and twelve, and then La Tech could fall down into the. Um, let's just say they're say they split this weekend, or they lose both. Let's say they lose both, then they're six and fourteen. So they would be tenth. And then, depending on what happens with uh, Western Kentucky in that second game this weekend, because that's another problem with Western Kentucky, okay? Western Kentucky plays at North Texas. That's not an easy game for them. So they let's just say they lose to North Texas and lose to UTEP. Then seven that would and 13. Per- seven and 13. So UTEP would, flop, would, would, would leap over Western Kentucky. They could win a tiebreaker with FIU and then be ahead of La Tech. So that's, I guess, that's the best case that's scenario. That's the best case scenario to get UTEP into the seven seed. And if you're confused, so are we. We just came up with that. All right, we even write it down like we should have. We just, we just, we just did that on the fly. <laughs> I think a lot uh, rides on tonight. I think to, after tonight, we'll have a, a better picture because yep. it'll just be one game. <laughs> We're not having to at least worry about a split and talk about the entire weekend. We could just talk about one single game, and then we'll have a better picture on the the tournament. But it does look like tonight will dictate whether or not it's the seven and ten game. So then, here's my question to you, Steve. Yeah, the path does not look good. If you're UTEP, do you purposely lose these two games, knowing that you'd have a better path, seven and ten? Well, if you purposely lose these two games, you're six and fourteen, and then you're the tenth seed. Yeah, you know you get the seven ten game. Yes, and, yeah, and you'd uh, rather that matchup there versus eight nine. I would love to see. Yeah, but UTEP's not going to tank. Then you know Joe yeah, Golding is not going to tank. tank. They're not going to do that. I'm smiling while I'm saying all this. So yeah, I, I know, I know they're not going to do that. But that would be the best case scenario, right? Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, all right. Anyway, we'll see what happens. Um. How about this story? Like, two weeks ago, we were interviewing Mike Kirby about the NMSU baseball season, and he was just relieved of his duties today. This is a this is wild, okay? Wild. Um, they started the season 0-7. They lost to schools I've never heard of in the process. Like, if you look at NMSU so far this season and who's and 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 uh, you know who they lost to. I don't know if you've seen this or not. It is so. This is the weirdest story so far. Even weirder than everything else that's gone on in New Mexico State, if that's even possible. I don't know. There's another one today that's pretty crazy too. Like, I mean, they got swept by Bellarmine. Then they lost to Lamar, Northwestern State, Seton Hall, and Benedictine Mesa beat them. 
So they fired, or they, I say they fired, they just let Mike Kirby, apparently last year, listen to this, last year when he went to the NCAA tournament, they were in the process of renegotiating, but they never got a deal done. Wow. And because they started off 0-7, they just let him go. Just like that. They relieved him of his duties. That is so interesting right there. Wild. Um, you know, Mario Mocha said, he said, quote, the trajectory of the program needed to be changed as far as the reason behind this. They felt like the change was in the best interest of the program, Ooh. allowing them to focus on the rest of the season. Yeah, it's now to focus on the next coach right. that they'll hire. Right. So uh, in an interesting way, Steve, it just feels like the turning of the page for a lot of things at NMSU for athletics. Keith Zuniga is now the interim head coach for baseball out at New Mexico State. That is wild. That is absolutely wild. Anyway, what a uh, what a series of events that turned into today. It's pretty uh, that is pretty crazy. All right, look, we got a fun show lined up for you today. Coming up in 15 minutes, UTEP head football coach Dana Dimmel is going to drop by inside our 600 ESPN El Paso studios. After all, it's springtime for UTEP. No, 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 it's, I listen. It's not spring. It's still winter. It's still cold. But Dana Dimmel will talk about spring practice. Don't you think they should just still call it winter practice? Yeah, winter ball. Let's do it. I'm yeah, especially him. tonight, snowball. Or today, snowball. Snowball? Well, yeah, that's exactly. Um, so we'll do that at 4.30. Then we've got Jeff Erickson at 5. Then Lane Frank is going to drop in in our uh, 5 o'clock hour as well. And then John Teicher and Steve Yellen coming up around 6.30 from the Haskins. we got a big show today. A lot in store for you. Excited about that. UTEP Zay dropping by today, too. Nice. Good job, Zay. Happy to hear about that, too. All right. So we got a lot to cover. But first, let's go to Charlie One. Kick it off right. He's got traffic for us. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Dana Dimmel, we dropping in here in a few minutes. Keep an eye out for... Um, the UTEP head football coach. In the meantime, if you want to weigh in on tonight's UTEP game against Western Kentucky, we'd love to hear from you. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. 505-6009. As we continue here on the program. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to um, the game itself tonight. Final weekend of the regular CUSA season. I mean, a final weekend. Tonight is Noche Latina night, which means the Miners will be wearing their Minetos Nike jerseys for probably the last time, I'm assuming, uh, because they're switching to Adidas. So this could be the last time you ever see the uh, Minetos jerseys. Okay, so three uh, games left with UTEP Nike jerseys. My guess is tonight, of course, you, you mentioned it, it's the Minetos, but my guess Saturday will be Texas Western to close out for senior night. I don't know. You heard what Shamar Givens said. He wants That's that jersey true. in the frame. I know. He doesn't That's want true. he you know, he doesn't want to wear that jersey because he wants that jersey as his that's he, he that's going to be his souvenir from this season. Okay, so I guess uh, that previous game or the last time that they wore it will maybe be the last time we see that one from the Nike style. And by the way, um this is something I hope Joe gets done for next season with Adidas, okay? If you're going to keep the Texas Western look, which they very well should, 
can you please have an orange and white set? That way you can wear the orange Texas Westerns on the road and the white Texas Westerns at home. Because the truth is, they wore two sets that year in 66, and there was a home and a road, and we should see the same thing. I mean, I love it when UTEP wears the white Texas Westerns on the road, but let's have the orange look. I'm trying to think, has UTEP ever have an orange Texas Western jersey throwback? I don't know if they have. I think it's only been white, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, that's... uh, that's a, that's a good storyline to keep an eye on as well. The throwbacks. Love the throwbacks. All right. Let's keep things moving. Memphis Drew is going to join us next. 23 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. You can weigh in uh, by calling into the show, 505-6009, like Drew just did. Tweet us at 600 ESPN El Paso. That's at 600 ESPN El Paso. Or chat with us on our mobile app, powered by First American Bank. That's right. What's going on, Memphis? Drew, how are you? Doing good, my friend. Doing good. Awesome. Hey, we may be headed for a Memphis Grizzlies New York Knicks final. It's possible, Steve. It's possible. What do you think? Let me say this. Of all the teams I root for this year, okay, the Rangers just traded for Patrick Kane. They now have a shot at getting uh, deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs, which I'm super excited about. The Knicks have been legit, although they're not elite because I've seen them. Uh, I- I've watched them lose games consecutively as many as I've watched them win. But I would love a Memphis New York NBA Finals. Adrian is smiling and shaking his head because he uh, knows that that would never happen uh, outside of our dreams, Drew. I mean, that's just, I mean, let's be honest. That's <laughs> it's not going to happen. But I will say this. Memphis right now is the two seed. The Knicks are the five seed. Anything's possible. Adrian Dana Dimmel's calling me. Let's have you take over this call. And okay, see what's going I got on. you, Steve. Uh, Memphis Drew. This is all I have to say. Unfortunately, when it comes to this, uh, M- I mean this uh, Memphis team right now, John Morant is now in the headlines for all the wrong reasons. He's recently been accused in police reports of punching a teen and making threats. I mean, that's just really bad stuff right there. And I'm wondering whether or not that's true. I'm wondering what ends up happening of that. But the Washington Post released that yesterday. And uh, Memphis, from becoming kind of the Cinderella story of the NBA, they've kind of turned into the bullies and kind of the bad guys of the NBA. What do you think about that, Memphis, Drew? Yeah, I I, I saw that story, uh, and I hope it's not true. But I will say Memphis uh, got some experience from last year. They had to second best record in the NBA and uh I think some of the guys have improved quite a bit Jaron Jackson and Bang so uh, I think uh, anything's possible I know Phoenix acquired Durant but uh, I still think anything's possible we're going to play Denver tomorrow we'll see Thanks for taking my call. I know you got the coach in. Hey, I appreciate it, Memphis Drew. Thanks All for right. calling in on the show. Uh, we got UTEP head coach Dana Dimmel in our in our studios right now, Steve. We do. Sorry about that. I should have hung up the phone, but I've been. Um, we had to let coach in. I mean, they were outside in this weather. That's awful. I don't want to. I don't want to torture. Yeah, coach definitely not. Dimmel. That's Come not on. fair. 
He's with us right now, though. Spring ball is here. This is not spring ball. This is winter ball, as far as I'm concerned. This really is. Uh, Coach, you can take that microphone and, and move it a little closer to you, or you can move close to the mic. But, I mean, I know it's spring practices and all that, but but we're still – this is winter right now, aren't we? What was today? My goodness gracious. It's still going, Coach. I thought I was back in Laramie, right? Isn't so. it crazy? You wake up, you see some <laughs> snow falling, and you wonder where, where you are. Yeah, which reminds me of a story. My last year in Wyoming, we're sitting in the shower for fall camp in August, and our offensive line coach is in there. He's got a real dry sense of humor. He says, this is our first snow since June. So it snowed 11 of the 12 months I was there that year. Oh, my God. That is unbelievable. Well, you know what the beauty of El Paso is? When it snows, you know that um, an hour from now, you'll, it'll be like it never even happened. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's, isn't it the greatest? It's great. Twice today. We got two different snow flurries today. When did, I remember the morning, I saw the morning flurry. When was the second flurry? Uh, probably about 2 o'clock. Wow. Because right there in my office in the Sun Bowl, I don't miss anything that way. You know, you see every bit of precipitation you're going to have man there you go that is that is the way to do it uh by the way great to see you it's been a while yeah. and uh thanks for dropping in and uh, sure. um first off how, how nice is it that you've had a chance to spend uh, this week on the field with your team again and start spring ball off it's been great the practices are going too fast right i mean you, you were out there for two hours and it seems like it just flies by right now because we got a lot of new faces mm-hmm. a lot of guys that got to learn you know and so the work's really fun it's a really 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 fun time of the year okay you say you the guys you got to learn. I mean, for you, generally speaking, with all these new players, how long does it take for you to really get to know everybody, all the newcomers? Oh, it's it's a process, you know, to really get to know your guys. You got to spend a lot of time with them, and and you know, we did. We felt like we had uh, recruiting these guys. We had a really really good recruiting campaign as far as we spent. We had uh, twice as many. We just did the numbers. Twice as many uh, people visit our campus this year than we did last year and that's huh. isn't that crazy so last year we had 68 recruits and parents this year we had 141 oh my is that the most you've ever had <laughs> yeah I, I, that that's, sounds isn't that staggering crazy? Yeah, yes it's, it's, it's nuts to have and so um, huh. it's good though you know and uh you know our percentages were good you know but we're recruiting at a higher level so you're not going to get them all right so you're going to have to bring in you know a lot to get the ones you want there you go 141 now, but that includes the parents that includes the parents but twice as many as last year. Huh. Crazy. That is crazy. What's a recruiting trip to UTEP like? Yeah, you know, um, a lot of good things to show them. And one of the really positives, Cap, is that, uh, you know, parents can come on visits now, right? And that just came in about five, six years ago. And mm-hmm. I think that's helped UTEP's recruiting. I know it's helped our recruiting uh, because people get to see El Paso for what it really is. And that's a really cool town. You Do know, most of people. the parents um, come with their uh, with their sons? Do they yeah. do they show up, or is it mostly just the kids by themselves? Sometimes? No, so 60, 60 visits, okay. 141 people. So, so, that, so wow. that gives you the numbers right yeah, there. That, right? That's 60 yeah, that's 60 visits. That's including the, the kids, you know. So, you know, so you're averaging over two. You know, you're averaging almost two you know both parents being with each with each kid yeah. so yeah so it's um you know and uh, some other family members as well so it's uh but but to my point is you know our visits are, are are showing people the great culture that you have in El Paso and and the wonderful city the the and, and some of them are surprised by it you know mm-hmm. because we all know that it gets an unfair uh, bad rap but once the parents get out here they really like it uh, Coach, what do you in terms of like getting people from Texas, getting people from outside of Texas? What's that balance like? How how is the travel like when you bring them here for that official visit? Yeah, it's uh, 
really good for people that are from eastern Texas, right? You know, the Houston, Dallas areas, because the mountains and, and the different, you know, uh, topography here is really cool for them, right? And they really, really like it and they think it's beautiful. And so that part of it's really, really good. Uh, it's hard to impress people from California with views, right? I mean, they're just so spoiled there in California. So I say, you know, it's beautiful here in El Paso, but you guys are used to beautiful, you know? And so that's kind of the mix uh, of, of, of how you do it. But, you know, people from Texas that come, come out here and see El Paso, they're really, really, for the first time, they're really, really surprised on, on how pretty of a city it is. Of the 60 visits, did you have any from uh, in, in El Paso itself or were those all out of, uh, no, out we, of town? Yeah, yeah we, had some, we had some, in, in, you know, some uh, players in the city visit. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah, I was, I was curious. But does that count towards the 60? Well, it depends if they're official. This was 60 official, official. visits. Yeah. How many can you have? What's the maximum you can have? Well, until this year, it was 56, and then they passed a— they passed a rule where you could go to 70 this year. but Whoa. But there was always a caveat that you could have 56, but you could borrow from the year before. So if you didn't use all your ones from the year before, you could borrow a certain amount of the year before numbers to get over 56. But 60 is obviously the most that, that we've had in a long, long, you know, most we've yeah. had since we've been here, but probably the most that UTEP's had in a long time. We've got Coach Dimble with us for the next 30 minutes till seven uh, till uh, 5 o'clock. So if you want to weigh in, 505-6009. You can also tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso. Let's go to Adrian. We'll get a quick Sports Center update and come right back with more conversation here in just a moment. Much uh, UTEP head football coach Dana Dimble with us. Spring practice started this week. In fact, here's something really cool: practice is open to the public, so fans can go head over to a Glory Field during the week if they want. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 9 a.m. Get a chance to watch you guys work out. Yeah, and it's supposed to be really beautiful next week. Supposed to have some really good weather. You know, as far as weather wise, it's going to be a beautiful week for fans to get out and watch us practice and and get to see some of the new players. And you know, we always try to do a good job where the you know. This is what's so nice about El Paso. Everybody follows our program so closely here, and and uh, it's good to get to know the guys. And so come on out and, and meet the players and see the players in person. Love to have everybody out. Uh, I know there's a lot of battles going on. Uh, one of them is the backup quarterback battle. I've Big seen one. a yep. lot uh, of mentions about that. And yeah. That sounds like it's going to be a pretty competitive battle, won't it be, Coach? It's really a good one. It's really a fun one for me to be heavily involved in, and you know that's going to be a big thrust this year. Uh, cap is that I'm going to get way more involved with the coaching of the quarterbacks, which I think will be really, really important for their progress. And and um, uh, it's been going really good through the first couple practices, the meeting time. I've been meeting with them quite a bit, and and uh, I can see a you know a lot of improvement from those players and those backup. You know, the the, the trouble is is getting the three backups their reps that they mm-hmm. need. You know. And um, because they all bring something to the table, and but we want to, you know, get get there as quickly as we can to who number two and number three uh, and number four are going to be. We got to get there as quickly as we can, but it's it, it's got to be a meticulous process at, at the same time. Handicap the three quarterbacks we're talking about okay. here in the battle, so we kind of get an idea of exactly who's competing for this role. Okay, so Kevin Hurley, you know, was the one that was was third string last year mm-hmm. behind Gavin Calvin, and and he's um. His athleticism's off the chart. His height's great. He throws a really good deep ball. He's got a very, very strong arm. He can throw the ball extremely well. Uh, he's just very raw, you know, and so he's gotten uh, immeasurably better 
through the offseason and through these practices, and he's really been doing some things at a higher, higher level. The physical tools are all there. And so for him, it's just becoming the, the quarterback, that he, the QB mm-hmm. that he needs to be. Jake McNamara is one of our freshmen that we feel really, really, really good about. He's showing us all the things that we liked in recruiting. He's got that, that it factor that, that we think is there. Um, and just studies the game at a high level, super sharp, got a good strong arm, moves moves real well. So, again, both those guys have a ceiling that's really, really high ceiling. And then and then Cade McConnell's a guy we brought in, did our research on, really, really intelligent player, uh, knows how to get the ball to where it needs to get to and is going to be the cerebral guy that does everything exactly the way you want it done and has physical talent as well. So that's why it's such an interesting competition right now for those guys. And when you talk about Calvin Brownholtz, he was another guy, raw with not a lot of experience. Yeah. I mean, most of his game experience was running the, the Wildcat for you and not necessarily taking over in big situations. So it's funny that when he was thrust into that role later in his career at UTEP, he thrived when given an opportunity, but he didn't really have a lot of experience because you've had the same starting quarterback. Now this would be going into what is his uh, fourth season or third or fourth season. Yeah, running exactly. the Miners, right? Yeah, I got a ton of experience, but Gavin is uh, it. It's really amazing to watch him practice right now. If you watched him practice today, uh, to watch him practice the week of the Rice game Mm -hmm. and just how he's using his fundamentals and how he's just being a much more fundamentally uh, advanced quarterback. And um, it's fun to watch because we know what kind of arm strength he has, but he's really learning how to use that arm strength and use that lower body because, you know, if you've ever golfed with Gavin, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the show. But we haven't. First time I golfed with Gavin, he's on number one uh, tee at El Paso Country Club, and he hits the ball down the right edge of the fairway, you know, from the blue tees. And I'm like, well, that thing might work back to the middle of the, f- of the, of the fairway. It ended up in the left palm, in the, in the pond left of the green. That's the kind of explosion that guy's got in his Holy body. smokes, yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> it was a cra- it's about a 375-, 380-yard drive. True story. And not with any significant wind. And it started in the right rough. That's wild. Does he know how to golf, or is he? He's a good player. Oh, he is. So he golfs. Yeah, he golfs. But that's the kind of explosiveness Mm -hmm. that kid has in his body, you know. So it's really fun to see him really even learning more and more how to use that explosiveness. So you're seeing a change in Gavin so far in the spring, even though it's early. And I think that if he continues to evolve, uh, the best is yet to come. Oh, the best is yet to come by far. I'm so excited about what he's going to do this year. Uh, He's coming in with a great edge to him. He's probably about five pounds heavier. You know, he's probably 216, 217 right now. Looks really good out there. So really, really pleased with, you know, we don't want to be remiss in understanding the the backups, the first you know, if you had to ask me what's the most important thing through spring, it's probably our backup position at quarterback, right, mm-hmm. as we start off the show with. But Gavin's obviously, we want him to continue to get better so he can be an elite quarterback for us. Coach, uh, real quick, back to Calvin Brownholtz. We had him on the show recently, oh, and he talked to us about his uh, experience and what he's looking forward to in terms of playing professionally in Italy. Uh, what is that experience <laughs> going to be like for him? Because he told us how you helped him uh, in this whole process. Yeah, I think he's going to do tremendous, and I think he's going to have some lifetime experiences that are going to just you know be something really special for him as he continues to mature. Uh, you know, he's got a great job with his dad's company. You know, his dad's um, not company, but his dad's industry 
I should say. And so he's, you know, going to do extremely well with that when he do, when he's done playing. Uh, already got a good start on it, you know, let, lined out for him. So, but this this. Uh, football in Italy, he's going to be a star. They play their first game Saturday. I don't know if you guys visited about that, but he just texted me yesterday, said they play their first game on Saturday, and um, I'm I'm excited to see him, you know, do some cool things playing. But I'm really excited about the life experiences that he's going to gain over there. We'll come back and we'll wrap up the hour with Coach Dana Dimmel next. If you want in, 505-6009. Practice tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. for minor fans. As we continue, uh, we're talking UTEP football right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Continue final 15 minutes of the hour still to come. Uh, Jeff Erickson talking some fantasy baseball with us at five. And then Lane Frank is going to drop by at about uh, 515, 520. And we'll have a chance to talk to our uh, weekly um, 15-year-old sports uh, prognosticator, Lane, uh, who hosts uh, Schoolyard Sports. The podcast drops today. will join us as well. Lane was so excited. He, all he wanted to do was pick against you for one week of NFL games, Coach. Oh, oh that's right. He we was. trying to get that lined up. Yeah. I know. We gotta, he would have kicked my butt. I'm the worst at predicting, so he would have he destroyed me. Oh, and, he, and he's... And he's <laughs> And he's cocky too. He will yeah. he will tell you he's going to beat you before he beats you. That's See, I'm right. easy. I'm just giving up before it starts. I right? like that. But I might be playing possum too. There you could be. You could be. Um, as far as uh, spring ball goes, we've talked quarterbacks uh, last segment. Let's talk also about uh, your receiving core. Who do you expect to replace Tyron Smith and and be really you know your new thousand yard or your number one receiver? Right. On this we got to keep that streak alive. As we yes. were talking about the break, got to get a third year. Be blessed enough to do that. Be pretty cool. Uh, to be able to do that again. And so competition's stiff there, too. And, and one of the things that really has to be noted is that there's talent at our wide receiver position. There was a lot of young talent last year that showed itself to be young talent, right? And now those guys, you know, Kelly Akari uh, is is coming back, and Kelly started to come on at the end of the year and play the way we expected it to throughout the season. And then Jeremiah Boward has all the talent in the world, a big, bigger, taller receiver, expecting him to do some really, really good things for us this year. And then Amari White was a guy that got in late last year, and so he couldn't grasp the system in time, and we really didn't feel like we needed him to because we had Tyron and, and had Ray and those guys that were experienced. So those three guys are guys that if they line up, and they, who knows who our stars are, it's going to be other guys, but we're trying to keep this as narrowed down as possible. Marcus Bellin's another one that I'd mm-hmm. be distraught if I didn't mention. But uh, those guys are all guys that just got a chance to, to have really good seasons for us. So I'm excited about our talent at wide receiver. It's a pretty deep wide receiver room, isn't it? It really is a deep wide receiver room. And Dre Spriggs, I didn't mention him, who we brought in from UTSA. Dre was a guy that they didn't want to lose, but all four of their receivers decided to come back this year, which was crazy when they all could have got three of them were league guy type of guys, but they wanted to, you know, get better, higher draft status, or or got injured late in the year. And so he was a guy that was just frustrated by that fact, but he's a tall, talented player. So we're going to have plenty of talent there. And then the other thing we're going to do, Cap, is we're going to get get the ball to our tight ends a lot more. We brought in, a, we, we redshirted a really talented tight end receiving tight end and also brought in a really, really talented receiving tight end uh, and a big tight end that can run well too and catch balls. So we're going to get the ball to our tight ends a lot more, not necessarily – but different ways, you know, and obviously we don't want to talk too much about that, but it's going to be fun to watch those guys add to our passing game. Uh, no doubt, and I'm looking forward to that as well. All right, our phone number, 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Adam is up next on the east side of town. Adam, you're on with UTEP head football coach Dana Dimmel. 
Hey, Coach, how are you? Adam, what's happening? Not much. Uh, hey, Steve. Hey, Adrian. Hope everybody is doing good. I just wanted to just um, kind of reflect. You know, I know last year wasn't what you wanted it to be. Um, one of the highlights, you know, definitely of me seeing this team develop under your leadership uh, was that play in New Mexico to that tight end. That's just, you know, it's also kind of gone viral online as one of the best, kind of like a sneak up the middle, but it went to the, I think it was a tight end. And that was just pretty, you know, pretty awesome. And are you looking to throw some more different types of looks that um, maybe other teams aren't used to seeing? I know, uh, I know I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. That was a fun play for us. That was a derivative off of our package that uh, we have, where we get in what we call our jumbo set. You know, and it's kind of and I and I. If you'd watch the Philadelphia Eagles, we're doing it a lot in their uh, Super Bowl run this year, and it's one that we have multiple derivatives off of, and uh, we've actually added some more to it uh, this spring off of that package that we have. We just put in a couple more nuances uh, per se to do off of it. So it's really a, a neat package. And last year it was 100% efficient, so that was really cool. And obviously it's used in either the red zone or critical uh, short yardage situations, and so 100% efficient is really good for that formation. So, again, going to grow with it. I think people across the country are emulating it, which is really cool to see that as well. Back to your play calling, um, you take pride in that. And now that you've got Gavin back for another year, do you feel pretty comfortable knowing that you can continue to open up the playbook and do more and more things with him because he's been under center for so many years and, and you've got so much confidence and trust in him? Yeah, it's so neat to have him out there at practice. You don't realize it until we get back into spring ball and you see how he's improved, A. And B, you just say, my, my goodness, you just – there's so much he can do and understands and has a great knowledge of. And as I visited with, uh, you know, I'm spending a lot more time uh, with him now. You know, obviously going into my sixth year, the organizational part of the head coaching, you know, our system is instilled and it allows me uh, as a play caller now to really focus on spending more time uh, with the quarterbacks in the quarterback meeting rooms. And that's going to obviously you know, help Gavin uh, to improve too, because you obviously want to be very closely tied to to the play caller in, in everything that you're doing. So, yeah, I expect us to be able, you know, Cap to to do some really, you know, more cool stuff, you know, and and be able to showcase Gavin's abilities at, at a different level too. You know, to be able to move him around more, to use his athleticism more. Uh, I think that'll that'll help our whole offense as well. Coach, we got a chance to go out to Super Bowl Radio Row, and we met one of your good friends. Rob Gronkowski, he told us to say hi, so uh, I'm just saying hi for you. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I, did you guys have a good time with Gronk? Did he tell we you? We did. Did, did, he, did he tell you he was going to make the kick or miss it? What did he tell you, or did you ask him? No, he was just excited about you and just talking <laughs> about how well, uh, how, how much he's known, how long he's known you oh, for his whole great. family, oh, and uh, he was cool. he was pretty, he lit up when he heard that oh, uh, we're awesome. from UTEP and Dana yeah, Daniels. That's, that's right. Great. Yeah, he's been good to us, and his dad, you know. Is a real close fr- close friend, and we know all three of the brothers played. There three of the brothers played, so fun. We love the Gronks. Um, are you still planning on hiring an offensive coordinator? Are you just going to take that role over yourself and just kind of have that dual role as head coach and, and OC for this team? Well, 
I am going to, we are naming an OC and it's going to come from within and we're expanding some roles within our staff and hiring for the replacement position mm-hmm. uh, within our staff. And, that, and that's all pretty close to being announced here. Uh, but I said right from the get go, we were going to hire from within because when you got good people, you know, the thing you don't want to have is learning curves if you don't want to have learning curves. And I sure didn't want to bring in a coach that was going to have to learn the system uh, when you don't need to do that. So we feel really good about the changes that are be, have been made. They're already out there going on at practice. And yeah. it's ju- just a matter of time until we announce them. As we wrap it up, uh, Jerry Kill got a big tattoo on his arm after winning a bowl game. He <laughs> vowed to his team he was going to do it, and he That's delivered great. that. Yeah. Um, if you are able to take the Miners to a bowl and win their first bowl yeah. in 56 years, last time right. was 1967, would you consider getting <laughs> a tattoo, maybe a minor pick? Uh, yesterday, A.J. Hodgkins was in our studios, and he oh, suggested good. that you get it on your calf because you have enough room there because it's so large that you could definitely put a minor pick on wow. one of those calves of yours. So you tell me, Coach. I know there are no tats currently on the body. Will you consider inking yes. yourself if the minors can, can win a bowl game? Yeah, I'm tatless for sure. You uh, are? Yes, I am. And um, I'm surely not going to talk about that right now. I'm not in a position to visit about that right now, but uh, I can maybe volunteer a couple of my coaches that might do it. What do you think? How do you think uh, Julie Dimmel would react oh, if you go well, on the radio and you say that you will tattoo uh, yourself yeah, if you tap? Give uh, myself in some serious trouble right now. So yes. I'm not going to do that. Okay. Okay. You don't think she's going to encourage it, is what you're no, telling no, me. No. All right. Well, listen, I will look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning at nine when you're back on the field practicing. Great. And yeah. uh, you're going to be going through uh, next month because you'll break for spring break and then come back and uh, I believe the uh, spring game and run right around mid-April. Yeah, we're, we're not actually going to do a spring game this year, okay. Cap. You know, we're just going to do these open practices and um, but uh, it's it's a great, we spread out spring ball as far as you can get it. We go the full 34 days and then spring break in between because you can spend more time with the guys so we want football on their mind as much as possible. Nice. Well, we'll look forward to seeing lots of practice. Great to have you back in. Let's get a chance to do it after spring football is over and we'll get a wrap up from you and get your thoughts on how everything worked out, okay? Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. You got it. Dana Dimmel, folks, as we wrap up hour number one. Come back. Huge 5 o'clock hour. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Sports Talk continues into our 5 o'clock hour. It's going to be a busy hour as well. He's Adrian Broadus. UTEP Zay is in the house. Steve Kaplowitz with you as well. The women should be tipping off right about now, right? Maybe it's 6? I think that's right. I got to defer to Zay here. Zay knows. Zay definitely knows. What about what about Zay? What time? 5.30. Thank you, Zay. Appreciate that. How are you, man? Doing I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm happy. All right, good. Why are you happy? Because UTEP basketball is today, and, I, you know, ah. any basketball is great. You know why I'm happy? Because Jeff Erickson's on the phones. That's why. Jeff Erickson, our fantasy, uh, our fantasy man, now that spring training games are here, I've already found that I'm probably going to need a new starting sh- uh, second baseman in my dynasty league because he could need season-ending shoulder surgery. Oh, there's nothing like getting all the baseball news you need, right, uh, Jeff? Yeah, indeed. Hey, I am happy to see the spring training results, but man, those injuries have been rough. I have a league that's in a slow draft. We did. Uh, we were in Vegas for a conference, and we did about twelve rounds. And then last week, we started doing a slow draft to finish out the draft. Uh, and then on on I think it was a Thursday morning, I drafted Gavin Lux on Thursday afternoon. Gavin Lux tore his knee. Oof, that is rough. But you know what? 
That's what happens. Uh, you can't you can't predict injuries. It's impossible. Although some might be easier than others, just because there are players that are deemed injury risks. But Gavin Lux was not one of them. Brandon Rogers right. was not one of them. And uh, you know, you think about both of these injuries. One blows out his knee. One has a fluke uh, thing when he dives that that uh, you know dislocates his shoulder, and now could be out for the year. Um, we saw what a bad shoulder can do in the case of Fernando Tatis a few years ago. It's it's even when you're not a pitcher, that's a dangerous injury. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's the, there's tearing in the capsule, and that's that's bad news. That's that's what you don't want to hear. Shortstop, as I've heard, have to throw the ball. So uh, and, and throw it pretty hard sometimes too. So yeah, it's a really bad injury. Uh, you don't want to see that in second base or shortstop, as the case would be. Rogers came up as a shortstop, but Lux was going to play shortstop this year. Uh, but, you know, that's two out of our second base draft pool, too. So, you know, one more, and we're really starting to hurt a little bit. I already kind of wanted to avoid lower tiers of second baseman anyhow, so that's something that uh, takes away something from our depth already to start with there. It's hard to avoid Rockies because some of these guys hit so well in Colorado. Even if they do have extreme home road splits, you almost, it's like CJ Crone. You just bank on the, the trips to Colorado because you realize that you could have huge weeks. Absolutely. Now, the problem is, like, a lot of times if you're in weekly leagues, the, the schedule doesn't match up perfectly, True. Uh, meaning that you know you'll have three on the road, three at home, or something like that. Crone, uh, on the other hand, I mean, you can still just start him regardless. But you know, Rogers was a clear like streamer guy. Um, he what he doesn't run enough or hit for enough power to be a, be a starter week in week out every game. You just have to use his core start. So. Yeah, that, that that complicates matters, and now and the Rockies are very thin at the position too. They don't really have anybody that's really meet ready ready to go. Like I think it's Alan Trejo is next in line, and he's kind of an you know he's a replacement level type of player. You know, maybe he'll have an upside to him that it's unrealized, but that'll he'll get there with Coors Field or something of that nature. But they're in a tough spot to start with, and they're already in a tough spot being the Rockies and being in the NL West. Could they potentially shift McMahon? back to second base, and then maybe it's easier to find a third baseman for them? Yeah, that's possible, too, um, although they don't have that in the system right now either. So, um, But, yes, it, McMahon has played plenty of second before, so that's definitely possible. All right, I'm looking right now at their 40-man just to see if there's anybody that just jumps off the page as a third base replacement, and uh, sadly... There's not. So you're a hundred. You're a hundred percent right about that. I I don't expect, um, you know, guys like um, uh, Warming Burnabell to suddenly be a third baseman that can slide right in and play. So yeah, that's it, definitely an issue. They might have to go out and maybe there's you know if there's a player that they can shop that's still out there in the free agent world and, and look to bring in at this uh, this stage. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Jerry McMorris isn't really going to creak open that wallet. So. What he'll probably do instead is complain about not having a salary cap. So that that that'll be his contribution to the conversation. Yeah, that is uh, that is definitely true. As we continue right now here talking some fantasy baseball with uh, Jeff Erickson, how about the Dodgers? How are they going to replace Gavin Lux? I saw the news today in which um, I guess it's Miguel Rojas withdrawing from the World Baseball Classic to now focus on his new role as the Dodgers' primary shortstop. Yeah, that that's exactly right. That's what happened. This isn't a, an injury, although he did miss some time earlier. Um, this is more a case of just hey, you know, 
there's an opportunity. You know, he he wants to uh, put his best foot forward uh, and play more with his own his new team. Uh, and you know, Chris Chris Taylor is there. You might see Miguel Vargas play some second base. Vargas is coming off a hairline fracture in his finger, though, so he's got his own issues. They have a kid named Michael Bush. You may have seen a little bit in the PCL last year. Played a lot of AAA. We did. He can play a little bit too, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he's part of the picture. It's a good point. You bring him up. All right, um, let's talk about other freak accidents. How about fracturing your toe in a weight room accident? Yeah, that, that's that, that's that's a bad one there for Joe Musgrove, and he's not going to be able to throw for at least two weeks, is what they're saying. And you know, you have to push off with your toe, so that could be a thing that lingers beyond that, too. So it's it's at least two weeks. I think that's the, the thing to note, which means he will not be ready for opening day. He might be yeah. more than two weeks into the season, too. I, I took off four starts from his projection. Now I have him at 25 starts for the season. Is the average number of starts for a good workhorse 27? Is that about what you go with when you put your projections together? I would say your average starter is about 27 or so, uh, you know, a regular starter. Yeah. I'd, I'd say workhorse, you're getting up to 30. That's um, what I think. The very top ones go like 32, 33. But, you, you know, there's various aches and pains in management, and sometimes the Padres have gone six-man in their rotation before. So I'm always a little conservative with my estimates. Uh, but that said, you know, you look at the Padres rotation, they don't have a ton of certainties in there right now. They've got Darvish. They've got, uh, they had Musgrove, uh, you know, Blake Snell's in the rotation. Yep. But then it's like Michael Waka. Uh, it's, uh, you know, taking a chance on like Nick Martinez getting in the rotation. Uh, Seth Lugo might port over to being a starter. I'm not sure how well that's going to work. Um, so, you know, for all they've spent on their roster, you know, they still have have some significant question marks at a very critical spot in their starting rotation. Hey, you're forgetting about two of my favorite uh, Padres non-roster invitees this year, and that's Julio Teheran and Cole Hamels. Can you imagine? Cole Hamels. I, yeah, I... I... I, I did forget those, and my apologies for that. But uh, color me a little skeptical that Hamels has it at this point in time. But then again, all he has to do is eat some innings. You know, if he can That's get right. him five innings, that might be good enough. I'll tell you who I like. I mean, keep an eye. He's a former top prospect of Boston. He's been in the San Diego system the last couple of years. Don't be surprised if Jay Groom ends up getting one of those spots. Okay. I can see it. All right. Uh, and meanwhile, one guy I'm rooting for, I just don't know if he'll ever be able to turn it around and become a, a, a just a, you know the starting pitcher everybody envisioned. That's former first-round pick Ryan Weathers. Yeah. Um, he was close a couple of years ago and then, in fact, had some good starts with him, but then really tapered off. I think he got hurt a little bit, too, and just never was the same afterward there. Um, so, yeah, they'll uh, – there are going to be some question marks here. And maybe uh, Musgrove only misses two or three starts, in which case they're fine. Um, and they're kind of counting on the offense to save the day anyhow. True. Are you worried about uh, Jordan Alvarez? You took him with your first pick, eighth overall, in the uh, LABR Mixed League 15-team draft. And, you know, Jordan's uh, he's not healthy right now. We don't really know for sure what's going on. Any concerns at all there? Of course there's some concerns. I hesitated with that pick. Um, there was good news just the other day saying they fully expect him to be ready for the start of the season. So uh, in the absence of him actually doing something, that's the next best thing we can hear. 
All right. That was that. What is that called? The labor uh, draft? Is that what it stands for? L-A-B-R, yeah, L-A-B-R. labor. Um, and that's the original experts league in the fantasy baseball community. Used to be uh, run by, uh, well, it still is run by the Baseball Weekly folks. It's just USA Today now. Um, John Hunt started it. Now Steve Gardner runs it. it it's a great league for uh, our community. They're, they're, they're doing a set of live auctions this weekend in Florida. I'll be broadcasting some of those. Uh, on Sirius XM Fantasy this weekend. So uh, make sure to tune in for that. Let's talk about some job battles going on right now. Who do you like for the fifth starter spot for the Braves? You know, I, I think Ian Anderson's going to win it. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Soroka's going to be ready. I think it might be fluid, though. He, You know, Anderson might win it, and then there'll be time. You know how these things, they, they're not, even though someone wins it uh, in time for opening day, it doesn't mean they win it all season. And That's I think that true. might be the case here. Yep, good point. Um, I'm interested to see how that one plays out. I really am. How about Dodgers closer? You know, I a lot of smart people said they don't think the uh, ultimate Dodgers closer is on the roster right now. That they'll trade for somebody. Um, I can see that ha- happening. I would say the relief pitcher I want to draft right now is Evan Phillips. But you know, he's for someone that hasn't been given the job yet. He's not cheap. You know, you have to pay a decent amount for him still. I keep wondering if Bruzder Gratterall is just going to take that over because he's been talked about as the f- the closer of the future for the Dodgers the last few years. He just he doesn't strike enough people out considering how hard he throws. No, he doesn't, and that's always been the knock. I mean, he throws so hard. He's good. I mean, he is a good he's a good pitcher. I get that, uh, but you know, th- at the same time, he could he-, he does need to strike out more batters. Needs to stay healthy in his own right. That's been kind of a problem for him, too. Yeah. Who do you think can take the fifth starter spot for the Phillies? Can 19-year-old Andrew Painter uh, win that battle? Um, he might not win out of spring training, but he's better than a fifth starter. He, he's going to be someone that's going to be starting for them for a long time. I like him a lot, too, and I agree with that. Uh, speaking of uh, fifth starters, who wins the fifth starter spot in Miami? Do you give it to Edward Cabrera or Braxton Garrett? What do you think? I think it's Cabrera. I think both might be in there for the long haul. I mean, Trevor Rogers is uncertain. Johnny Cueto, who knows how much he has left in the tank. You could you could definitely see a scenario there where both are in the rotation, both Cabrera and Garrett, because I think they can both pitch. So many, Cabrera is the trendy yeah. one, though, for sure. So what uh, what else are you looking at right now? What are some of your favorite uh, spring training storylines that you're keeping an eye on here through the first week? So I'm just trying to watch for, like, added velocity, strikeouts, uh, walks, you know, see who's running more often, who's healthy, you know, that, that, that just guys coming back from injury or watch for. And of course, everybody's talking about the new rules and everybody's talking about, you know, how everybody's adjusting. And it's interesting that it seems like the batters are actually adjusting a little slower than the pitchers, at least to the pitch clock, which seems to be the predominant one that everyone's talking about. As far as the website right now at uh, rotowire.com, your featured article is uh, the spring training prospect mailbag with James Anderson. But uh, there's a ton of material that's been up just this week alone. Yep, and I'm working on another article right now, hitting, ta- hitting category targets for those of you playing roto leagues. Uh, what, what, what do you need in a category to compete? So there'll be a lot of that uh, you can check out, and I'll do a similar pitching companion piece too. Are you heading to Phoenix at all to watch any Cactus League games over the next month? No, not this year. I'm not going to be able to travel there. I've got a trip to New York coming up for an expert league and then a trip to Vegas for another league. So uh, I, I've, I've got my travel set, but I'm uh, not going to catch any spring training this year. You're going to New York just to draft a team? Uh, it's called Tower Wars. We've been doing this forever um, from New York, too. So, it's, in fact, this is the first year in like 
three that we've been able to do it live in person again. It's an in-person auction. Nice, nice. So you, well, you fly for a couple days, enjoy New York, draft your team, and then fly back. Yeah, and I help run the contest too. So like, I'm, okay. like we have an AL only, we have an NL only, we have a mixed league, we have a head-to-head league. Um, I'm on the executive committee to make sure everybody's stocked in the league. We have a couple online-only drafts too. So uh, we've it, it's it's grown from like two drafts into seven. Oh, that's enormous. Uh, by the way, let's tell the website again, rotowire.com. That's rotowire.com. If you've never been to the website, first off, I, I don't know why. We talk about this every week. We've been doing this for years. This should be uh, a given, folks. A, a, this should be your bookmarked Bible for fantasy sports. But if not, you can check it out free uh, and not even have to put a credit card down. How great is that, especially with all the uh, drafts and all the prep coming up for baseball right now, Jeff? Yeah, that's right, and uh, it's it's going to be awesome. Appreciate the uh, plug. Uh, by the way, I'm going to be broadcasting a draft tomorrow night with former Chihuahua Cody Decker is going to be uh, in the booth with us here. Hey, very nice. I heard Cody today doing a show on Sirius XM on the Fantasy Channel with yep. um, former Steve Met- Phillips. Yeah, former Mets GM Steve Phillips. It was very cool to hear those two together. They sounded great. Yeah, and I was listening to him the other day, and he speaks very fondly of El Paso. He said it was his favorite place, favorite Triple A place. It, it was. He loved El Paso. So, Cody Decker, I'm happy you're going to be with him. Good luck. I'm, Cody's never played fantasy, so please take it easy on him. I'm, I'm a little worried that you're going to you know, take advantage of him when it comes to drafting the team. Well, I'm, we're just broadcasting this one, so okay, good. Uh, you know, we'll be helping each other. Awesome. He'll, he'll give his experiences uh, you know, evaluating the player. He likes the player props. He's good with that. So we'll, we'll get him going. What time will that be happening, Jeff? Uh from see El Paso time, it'll be five to nine. I will be on air with uh, with him, and he'll be on the first two hours. I'll be on for four hours. Oh my God! Five to nine p.m. tomorrow, huh? All right. Yes, sir. Very nice. We'll check it out. Hey, listen, that'll be my uh, my drive home after the station. That's perfect. All right, good stuff. Uh, we'll talk to you later, Jeff. Thanks for the time. Uh, all right, take care. You too, Jeff Erickson, RotoWire.com. When we come back, Lane Frank's going to join us for our weekly chat. Looking forward to that, just like I'm looking forward to Charlie One and this traffic update. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. It's that time. Lane Frank is back with us. He's ready to go. He's got his phone. Um, what, do you, what do you do with your phone? What do you have? You have um, you, you, what, what, like, what apps are you looking at right now, just out of curiosity? What's happening? Well, when I'm on here, I'll usually look at ESPN, look at some stats, look through some things. Maybe yeah. I'll look at Instagram, try to get some news in there. Anything good? Anything interesting? Not today. No. None. No bombshell sports news today. Yesterday, though, yes, Jalen Carter. Yes, it was, that's, that's a huge story. Reaction to the Jalen Carter story because that broke. It's a bigger deal than Brandon Miller. It broke after your Schoolyard Sports podcast uh, was recorded. So I'm sure you would have loved to have had a shot at that story, but you didn't. So instead, uh, give us uh, here on Sports Talk your take on what's going on with Jalen Carter, what you think will happen. You know, I still got to post it on Screwed Sports Instagram, but that's a little bit different. Uh, wait, wait, wait so, hey, stop for okay. a second. What does that mean? I, I still news. I still have to post it on Schoolyard Sports Instagram. First off, well, explain what Schoolyard Sports Instagram is and what you do differently versus the podcast. Because this is Adrian. Well, he's been with us for how many months? Since and, October, and, I've and for the first time in five months or six months, you're dropping on this. Uh, like like you have what do you have? Like a separate. A pot, like an Instagram podcast? Different ways to get content out there. Okay, here we go, yeah. here we go. Explain this to me. What are you doing? So I've expanded Squared Sports a little bit. It's been since, since October. So, you know, the whole theme is always just the episodes, this and that. And it's always fun to post news, and I never did it. So I got an app, learned how to design stuff. I 
got pretty good at it. So I've been posting every single day, more than once a day. I haven't missed a day yet since October 15th. Why do and we I not, do things on Twitter too? Why do we not know about this? I guess I just never bring it up, but I'll post news, I'll post takes, I'll post from Twitter, and I'll incorporate it to Instagram. You can look at my tweets. I tweet all the time on there. You do, all the time, you, every you now are, and then. You're active on Twitter, but you're more active on Instagram, right? Way more active on Instagram. I haven't missed a day posting on Instagram since October. Why can't your Instagram just go to your Twitter account? That way you don't have to do both. Well, it's different. I can add a Twitter thing to Instagram because I can put a tweet in a graphic like right. over here and then post it. Hang on. I'm following you now. On, on, I don't even use Instagram. I'm, I'm very much uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a novice when it comes to Instagram. But now I'm on it, and I notice, I, I see... Uh, the first thing I see is Little Yachty with you. That's my pin post. So the first thing you go to the profile, oh, I see your that's pins. what someone's going to see. All right. So those are my pins. But now I see here little things like, can this mid-major guard break history tonight? You're talking about Antoine Davis from yep. Detroit Mercy. That was three hours ago you posted that. Yep. Wait a minute. I'm posting these during school. Three hours ago of you're course. in school. Of course. I'm posting during school, too. Oh, this is breaking news. So what class were you in today at Coronado when you're posting on Instagram schoolyard sports IG updates? I want to know. I was in world geography. World geography. Okay. Now, um, can you at least at the end of your schoolyard sports ice Instagram post, hashtag World Geography, so that way we at least can no. follow what class you're in when you're posting all these updates? Uh, no, definitely not. I mean, that would be interesting, though, because I do post about 75% of the time in class. I, I post listen, it a lot in class. That is amazing. I love it. Adrian, I, listen, I love multitasking, right? I really do. And I've always prided myself when I do this radio show on multitasking, whether I'm on Facebook chatting with people or Twitter chatting with people while we're doing the show. You're in school at Coronado and, and, and posting on Instagram for School at Sports. How do you hide it? How do you do it? I don't it to have where to hide it. It just seems don't... like I'm on my phone. I finish the work, I go on my phone, and I post. So when you're doing wait a minute, so this so you're able to do whatever you want once you finish your work in school? Basically. I've had some posts that have absolutely blown up while I was in school and I've had to pretty much hide it. That's phenomenal. All right, I like this. I, I would have uh expected nothing more than from that from Lane. I mean get your work done. <laughs> You get yeah. get the good grades, but then right after that, you get on to the business, which is uh, schoolyard sports. Exactly. So, uh, so, are you straight A's? Of course. Of course. Of course. I, I would expect nothing. Like, so, I have 636 posts on Instagram and about 113 episodes. So, about 500 of those, I'd say, are uh, just news posts, update posts, take posts. It really expanded the brand, in my opinion. This is phenomenal. And it got me 1,000 more followers since I started it. Really? 1,000 more? 1,000 more. I started at- Gotta be active. Because I had done it for two years, got the 510 followers from just episodes, and then I needed to expand a little bit, so I got to to 1.5 now. You want to start writing for our website? I could. I mean, seriously, if you want to do that. I mean, you know, you can crank out a couple posts during class. But articles articles aren't my main thing. Why not? Grammar. I mean, my grammar's good enough, but- I just feel like I'd make too many mistakes. I'm not trying to sit there right, typing things. I'll, I'll edit it for you. How's that? I'll, I'll, you, I can still you, edit. You send, me, you send me your finished post. I'll, right. edit, I'll edit the material. We'll put it up. You'll be like Zay. You'll be one of our contributors on the website. Right. And the two of you hosted the show together anyway. You might as well start writing for the site now and go from there. Or better Sounds yet, good. if you have any like video blogs, some vlogs you want to do, we can always uh, put those up as well. Okay. That Adrian, that what good. do you think? I think it's an excellent idea. Two fifty. Hey, uh, Lane, two hundred fifty words. That's not much at all. You got this. Chat oh, GTP. Yeah. That's it's easy. Out there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, of course. That would oh, be easy. That's, <laughs> Michigan's <kidding>. losing now. <laughs> oh man, I know we got Michigan on the uh, on the tubes right now. Um, okay, are you ready for March Madness? It is Championship Week is next week. We are excited. Before we do that, I got a call. Ready to take a call? Let's call for Lane. Oh, right. look at this. We got a call for you, specifically for you. All right. 
Let's go to Adrian from Central. He called in just for you, Lane. Adrian, welcome to Sports Talk. You're on with our, our weekly guest, Lane Frank from Schoolyard Sports. Thanks, Steve. Uh, long time no talk, man. This is Adrian in Central. And, uh, you know, I got a couple questions for Lane, you know, and, and it ties to the new rules in baseball. Okay. I'm kind of curious, you know, somebody Lane's age, I have 15 and 11-year-olds that play baseball, but, you know, what do you think about these new rules, Lane, and what do you think uh, is the future for baseball? They're, they they don't want to lose fans like, you know, Steve and I are about the same age, but what about the young crowd like you? What do you think about them? I think it's definitely a lot better. The games are short. You go to Chihuahua's game, it can be two and a half hours but I'm a little worried these games are going to be too short because you're going to see more injuries with this pitch clock being slower. You saw a 20-second strikeout today. That's a 20-second at-bat. It's probably the shortest at-bat we've seen in MLB history. I think the pitch clock is a little too short, kind of like how it is in the minor leagues. It's a little bit lower than that. So it's good to speed up the game. I think they're just doing a little too much right now. What would you do then? If, if you say it's a little too much, how would you compromise? Add what do you think maybe, they should do? Maybe the pitch clock stops when you're into the motion because I saw it today. You know, they got a violation. He was in the motion of pitching but missed it by about a second. So I think maybe be a little bit more lenient with it. In tennis, if you're about to serve and the clock goes off, they're going to be lenient with it. They're not going to call you for a violation. Adrian, I always thought that in the AAA, when they were testing out the pitch clock, the minute the pitcher went into a windup, they immediately took off the clock. The clock stopped. I never remembered the clock to go once the actual windup or delivery started. That's kind of what I remember too, Steve, and it's kind of what I, what, you know, it, it seemed to work for me. I mean, that... At that point in time, you know, what can you do? The pitcher's in his delivery. You don't ever want to stop him in his delivery, you know, and, and he's coming to the plate anyway. That's where injuries occur. You know, I, I'm not you – know, the pitch clock doesn't get me too much, you know, but, but I think one – it's going to come and, and, and really rear its ugly head, Stephen. I'll tell you when. We're going to get to a point in the season. It could be early on because it's a lot of times when, when this happens early on in the season or later in the season. There's going to be a pitcher with either a no-hitter or a perfect game on the line. And that pitcher, you know, sometimes they need to get catch that air and catch that breath, you know, uh, and take a, a few more seconds off of the mound. But how is that going to impact a game like that? You know, the, the baseball has never had a clock. It's never been timed. You know, that's one of the things I love about it. Mm-hmm. You're always in the game. But – I, I kind of predict, that's my prediction, Steve, that that's one of the times when it's going to really come out and rear its ugly head. I think there might be more injuries due to this. You see it right now, okay, everybody's fine with it. You get the quick at-bats, you don't catch your breath. But eventually, there's going to be wear and tear. You go so quick, you're going to tire out your arm, say, in mid-June, and then you're done for the year. So that's a little bit of a concern right there. Especially with pitchers. Maybe they didn't prepare for this right now. Maybe exactly. they, they didn't train expecting this because they didn't know what the process would be and like. they seem fine now because they're yeah. fresh, they're rusty, but they're still a little bit fresh. Maybe so. It's interesting, though. It's good, good hey. questions, good points, Adrian. I like it. Let me ask. Uh, let me ask Lane this question, Steve. Uh, Lane, yep. Do you remember? Do you ever remember a time in baseball during your life where they didn't have a shift, uh, where a shift was not allowed? No, I don't remember. I think shift has always been around, but <laughs> I'm kind of glad that the shift is gone now because you know it's better for the youth of the game. Because why? Okay, so your son does he watch baseball all the time? 
Does he see, oh, shortstop's all the way over here. Why can't I play all the way over here? It can mess up the game, mess up the youth of the game. Now there's no shift. There's no error for that. So I think that's the best part of having no shift. Uh, we can always play the shift in Little League. They don't ban the shift. You can, but you it's can bad do teaching you the game because if they want to go to the next level, they can't do it. Well, now they can't. Now you're right. Now but they used over. to be able to, but it's bad fundamentals true. of the game. So Yeah, but you realize the, the shift has, has been going on as long as baseball has been going on. Like it's you've you've never they've never not had it. It's been there since the rules started. It's a, it's a little bit different because it's a strategy and the strategy's never really been banned. Like you're mm-hmm. not going to ban zone coverage in the NBA, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. All right. Well, Adrian, yeah, what are your thoughts? You know, Give me your thoughts on this, Adrian. What do you think? I, I really think, Steve, that that uh, I, I'm a purist, as you know, for the game, and I kind of like that they are not going to allow the shift anymore because it's really going to highlight those really great defensive players up mm-hmm. the middle. Any yeah. good baseball team is, is solid up the middle. Your catcher, your center field, your second base, and your shortstop are your stalwarts of your defense. It's a good take. What about, if you're what not about, able to shift, yeah. Yeah. you better have some good defenders up the middle that can that have range and that can get to the ball when, when uh, they're playing in their natural positions. How about batters that should that have had so many hits taken away from them because of the shift? Now, if they hit the balls to the same zones they always have, that then there's no shifts there, they suddenly will get more they'll get on base more often. Yeah, I, I think it's going to have that. I don't think it will be as significant of an impact. I mean, I think it will affect, you know, when you look at individual batters, yeah. it'll have, you know, more a game to game. It'll have more of an impact when you take a look at it for individuals, uh, you know, over the long course of the season, it might have a few extra points on, on their, their batting average that they, that they'll gain. Um, they did some studies, you know, Corey Seager, I think was one that's about to, uh, gain the most from from not having the shift in play, but you know overall, I think that when they when they take away that shift, mm-hmm. it's going to really give an opportunity for for players that are not just hitters up there. You know, for a long time, you know your Ozzy Smiths, your your um, your Oscar Vizcals, your your players of that nature that it didn't matter if they really hit very much because they could get to every ball they hit that had hit to them. They made a big impact on the game. That's going to start to come back, I think. And I love that part of it. I think better baseball is coming back. Yeah, that's true. I think we're in the best time for baseball right now. Good job, Adrian. Appreciate the call. Thanks for getting in today. Good to hear from you. All right, Steve. Thank you. All right. We'll get to uh, Eddie, who's got another question for Lane right after we say hello to Adrian. Bottom of the hour, let's get a Sports Center update in as we continue. We're back right now with uh, Lane Frank, the host of Schoolyard Sports, uh, the podcast. Uh, good to see that uh, as soon as you arrived, the phone call started. I'm happy you brought the calls with us today. It's nice of you. Thank you. Thank you for doing well, that. Well, thank you for having me on again. You're welcome. 505-6009 if you want to get in. Have a question for Lane, like Eddie, who uh, is uh, with us next. Eddie, what's happening? Eddie, what's happening? Oh, not much, Steve. I just wanted to follow up with the pitch clock talk and ask a question. Uh, to your guest here about because he started talking about injuries coming up that could be coming uh, and the big topic this week one of the big topics was uh, load uh, management I guess uh, on players and do you kind of see that coming on uh, with baseball with this pitch clock situation and and injuries uh, I mean just kind of go along with that route there what are your thoughts on all that stuff and by the way Steve before we talk about that the, the, the rules 
uh, on the pitch clock from one year to the next have changed. Mm. Uh, they, didn't cha- they didn't change last year to this year, but you're right. It used to stop immediately when the pitcher would start his motion. Um, but now that that's different. Now they, that's changed, and it, it the the clock won't stop until the the pitcher makes a a motion towards the plate, uh, a pitch towards the plate. And by the way, I thought that in terms of speeding the game up, when the clock stopped and they were getting into their into their motion, I thought we're still getting games under three hours. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, Eddie, do you think we're going too far with this idea about not stopping the clock until the uh, you know the motion's getting delivered to the plate? No, I think the setup is is pretty darn well right now. Uh, I just think that what needs to happen, and I've said it year after year after year, is the umpires need to be bought totally bought into this, and that's where it began. And it began at the AAA level, and it was when you started seeing the umpires being totally bought into it, then you would see the game being sped up to where we want to see it at, mm. at about a two and a half, two forty-five mark. Gotcha, gotcha. What are your thoughts about load management, Lane? It's going to be an interesting factor because obviously baseball players play 162 games, which seems like a lot. But you get an off day. It's not really a sport where you're on your toes at all times, like football, basketball, maybe another sport you could say. But uh, interesting thing I'm looking for right here, WBC. Does that have a pitch clock? Because could these players who are adjusting to it right now get all messed up by opening day because WBC not having it? That's an interesting point because there are so many countries playing in this that don't have necessarily big leaguers or minor leaguers always involved. I don't know if the is the if the pitch clock is involved in the WBC. Have you heard anything about that at all uh, right now, Eddie? No, I have not heard. I've been in some meetings already, and I, as far as I know, it's not. But I, I'm not going to say definite because I haven't really looked too deep. But I will say this: uh, the the people at the big league level, they're buying in. They are buying in, ah. and uh, um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it goes. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, too. If so. one guy, a Juan Soto, a May Machado, they tear their ACL, they do something bad, they, a superstar gets hurt in WBC, do you think that kind of ruins the WBC experience forever because it's right before the season everybody will be afraid to do it after that? Because hmm. that is interesting. If an injury, even a small injury, a lingering one, happens in the WBC. Um, the WBC will not implement the pitch clock, the shift limit, or larger bases. How about Ooh. that? They're going back old school. WBC. They're not. Isn't it that, ban the that shift? I, I wish they banned the shift. Do you? Yeah. All right. So there you go. All the rules from last year will be in place for the World Baseball Classic, Eddie. There so you hear it. Bad baseball will be in place. Yeah. Guys out there, okay? All right, man. You too. Thanks for the phone call. Bad baseball, huh? I like having games under three hours, but I also don't want them too quick. If I'm going to a baseball game, I want to be there for most of the night, most of the afternoon. I'm not going there for lunch. As someone who has just turned fifteen. Do you feel like when you're at a baseball game, your attention span starts to wane after the three-hour mark? Do you get tired for a game that keeps going longer and longer? Is that why you like that two-and-a-half to 245 sweet spot? You know, it depends. If it's a three-to-two game, seventh inning, you know, nothing's really happening in the past few innings, it can get a little boring. You need a little excitement in there. I'll say, for example, Mets are up 3-2 in a game I went to this year against the Phillies. Then Nick Castellanos cranks a two-run homer, so they go up by a run. Then Mets... But ninth inning, hit a home run, win extra innings. That'll keep you on your toes a little bit. But if it just stays as a 3-2 game, the rest of the game, not much excitement. It can be easy to wane off. What about that lead runner on second base? Should they get rid of that in extra innings? No, that's that's a good rule. I, I agree with that. So that keeps the game. But I, to, you know. I like that they don't have in the playoffs. Ah, okay. So then it goes back to uh, old school rules. Yep. All right.
We'll wrap up hour number two with Lane Frank as we continue. We'll get a preview of what's coming up on Schoolyard Sports with the new episode has dropped today. And we learned something today. Follow Schoolyard Sports on Instagram because Lane is not afraid to post while he's at school, which is, uh, to me, fascinating. So we'll continue this in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Schoolyard Sports, the podcast. Schoolyard Sports on Instagram. He'll put how many up about how many updates a day do you put up? It's an average. Give me an average. An average, I'd say three, but nice. I've never not done one. Okay, so I've done one every single day. Even I've weekends. Even weekends. Weekends are my most. I had twenty three during the Super Bowl. Twenty three. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, pumping right. out more content than these big pages. He's brought to you by River Oaks Properties, folks. In fact, if you are right now in the market and uh, for your business and you're looking to move to some of the most high-trafficked areas in El Paso, they've got shopping centers all over town, the brand-new areas in the far east side, the west side over here by um, Cimarron in that area. Um, you got to check it out, folks. River Oaks Properties. They, they deliver us uh, Lane each and every week and we appreciate their support of this uh, segment. And uh, tell you about the Schoolyard Sports Podcast that just dropped today. Uh, episode, was it 114? 113. So yeah. 113. I'm sorry, I'm a week ahead. You're good. So uh, conference tournament picks, college basketball we're picking that. We're doing top five MLB players heading into the new season so that got a little controversial. Ooh, interesting. I'm, I'm going to see how you went on this. I'm interested in that. Okay, so it was five, but five? Bryce Harper. Kate Bamiot. Five is Bryce Harper. He's the fifth best player in baseball. But he's going to miss a good chunk of this season with Tommy John surgery. But he was 2021 and an MVP. Probably could have won it in 2022 if he didn't miss about two months for a broken thumb. Yeah. And he had the most clutch swing in the MLB season. I understand that. He's still going to miss he's half the season he's with still Tommy so John valuable. surgery. He's still been a top five MLB player over the past Fair however enough. many oh, seasons. So are we talking about top five? Going into this year, is that the idea? Just or top, the top five, five overall five? baseball players. Oh, for, okay, I'll put uh, I, Bryce Harper. That's fine. MLB top has him at 17. Really? 17. Because of the injury. That's probably why. They're factoring in the injury. Okay, who's four? Judge. You still get the 60 home runs, but the playoff isn't really there. That's so interesting because I've seen some people have Judge one. I don't think Judge one. Coming off of the 60 home run season. You can't bat 100 in the playoffs. Uh, he's never been a good playoff batter. Never. Uh, never. never. All right, so four is Judge. Who's three? Mookie Betts. He's won, a world, he's won two World Series. Doesn't yeah, his he's mate, been down But since he's, he's going to give Dodgers. you 45 home runs, and he's going to get you a 200, 300 batting average. He's going to get you at least 270. All and right. that's a lot. And he's going to so, get you so many RBIs. Many, well, but, he but he doesn't steal bases anymore like he should. So He doesn't right. get over 4 like Judge does. All right, fair enough. So you got, you got Judge, uh, in, and you got, okay, so Betts, 3, who's 2? Trout. All right, I, I could see Trout's healthy. He's number two. I could see Trout as one as well. Who's uh, the best player in baseball? Otani. And what's ridiculous is that you can have the two best players in your sport and not even be close to average. Here's That's the how thing crazy about so here's the thing about Otani. Okay, here's crazy. the thing about Otani. He's not the best. Would you yes, would you is. say would you say Otani is is among the top five pitchers in baseball? Yes, top five. He can get beat a little bit by the Yankees, but top five, I'd say. Top five hitters in baseball. Oh yes, definitely. All right, you know he's like a two, like two sixty, two seventy hitter. Still hits the home runs. He does hit home runs. So say he's a top ten pitcher in baseball, and say he's a top ten batter in baseball. That combined gets you number one because how above average you can be in both categories. Listen, I'm not going to argue. I, I just want to hear your justification because Otani. A lot of people don't believe that he is among the top five in either. Because they don't have to think every night. Who's our designated hitter? It's either Otani's pitching or he's hitting. Yep, and uh, sometimes it could be both. Do you think he gets fatigued when he hits? I don't know. It would be great to watch him like pitch a, like a – would you imagine if, if Otani ever went yard and threw a no-no in the same game? How awesome crazy. that would be? He did hit a home run and went – he hit a 
114 mile home run. They hit a pitch to 100 miles an hour pitch in the same inning. Interesting. Okay, so I, the only guy I would have probably removed for bets and taken out, I would have put Trey Turner in your top five. For I would. Okay. Bets. I completely disagree with that. I Why do you not I, have Trey Turner? I saw an MLB's list and I said absolutely no, no Trey Turner. Why? What? What is it? First off, um, Trey Turner is now with he's Philly. This, what, what's the problem with Turner? He's consistent. He's this and that. But what has he done in the playoffs? Okay, he wins a World Series for Washington. Does nothing for LA this year against the Padres. Can't get it for me. I only think he's the best shortstop in the game. Have we looked over Mookie Betts in the postseason and seen what he's done? Let's do it. You want to do that right Two now? World Series. Two World Series. Oh, I know he's got World Series. I'm just curious. What his but he's not going to go 0 for 4. He's not going to do this. not going to do that. What happens if Trey Turner's speed runs out? Well, that's... Because Mookie uh, Betts' speed ran out and he's still at the top of his game. Mm-hmm. I'm looking right now. Let me see what Mookie Betts is... Uh, let me see what he's done so far in the postseason. Okay, it's postseason. Um, oh, this is good. All right, Mookie Betts in 2021 hit 174. Um, in 23 at-bats. Okay, so who did they get eliminated tw- by in 2021? Hang on, and, in tw- um, and that was against Atlanta. Okay, yeah. And then um, he tough. batted in 2022, he batted 143 in the Padres series. Now, um, now he did... Go to the World Series you know, years. And, and by the way, that was the NLCS against Atlanta. He did hit 450 against the Giants okay. and... and um, That's their big know, series. That was, that was their mm-hmm. big series to beat Giants. They kind of overlooked the Braves. He's a career two sixty four hitter. That's not but bad. But he never, but he's never really delivered the big numbers in the playoffs like he has during the regular season. But now, what does Judge do for you? Let's take a look at Trey Turner in the playoffs. I'm looking at Mookie Betts. I'm looking what is, at Mookie Betts. What does right. Judge do for you? That's better than Mookie Betts as a fielder and just as a pure RBI hitter, not just hitting home runs. Uh, that okay. I got you. Now listen. Um, Trey Turner last year in the postseason batted 333 in the Padres series. Um, in 2021, hit 500. Well, it's two for four in that uh, game against San, St. Louis. 136 in the Giants series, 240 in the uh, series against Atlanta. So he's a career 238 hitter, is what he is. Okay. Not exactly lighting it up either. So, all right. Hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just playoffs. Gotta throw, just gotta throw the numbers sample. out there, right? Sample. Gotta throw the numbers out there. Let me do a. So I did my did you know segment as I always do. And this week it was that Michigan football in their eight games at home this year was over a hundred thousand more than at Oakland Athletics in their eighty-one games. They had seven hundred thousand fans in their eighty-one games, and Michigan had over eight hundred thousand in their eight games. Oakland needs to get out of there. I mean, the A's need to move, either get a new stadium or go someplace else. Also, Kansas City Chiefs have more people at their parade than the Kansas City Royals did every single game combined. That's wild. What about that? That that's a stat I did not know. Great that's one. good. I like that one. These are this is all in the podcast. Yep. Fantastic. Not the not the Chiefs one. I saw it the other day, but uh, Michigan one was. That that's a good stat. That's for the Michigan one in there. Yeah, I like that. All right, what else are you talk about in the podcast? So we've got uh, baseball. Your top five. I I, I tournament I, picks. All right, that sounds good. That's a little bit different though because a lot of things got shaked up. Obviously, Texas lost last night. Kentucky lost last night. So my picks might be a little bit different if you ask me right now. But uh, what happens with Aaron Rodgers? Where's he going? I don't like talk. I don't want to talk about it. It's so boring to talk about right now because nobody knows. That's what Ian Rapport said. Nobody knows. Nobody cares right now because just. It's Aaron Rodgers. All right. When it happens, it happens. There you go. And Derek Carr, where do you think he ends up going? Derek Carr, I think, ends up a Saint. You do? Or a Panther. That's another sneaky one. So if Derek Carr ends up a Saint or a Panther, Aaron Rodgers is going to end up a Jet. I think Saints maybe need to draft a quarterback. They have so much talent to have a lackluster Derek Carr. Mm -hmm. Are you going to the UTEP game tonight? You're going to be heading out to go watch him play uh, Western Kentucky? Now are you going? 
Uh, tonight, no. Saturday, yes. I'll be at the Middle Tennessee game. Um, that's for sure. No, I've got uh, I've got to be home tonight uh, with uh, with the little one and keep an eye on him. But I'll be looking forward to keeping tabs on the game right here with 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, do you want to stick around for one more segment? Then we'll wrap it up with you. Let's do it. All right, come back six o'clock hour. Lane Frank in the house. 600 ESPN El Paso. When they uh, heard that uh, you know you're you're still posting on Instagram while you're at uh, World Geography class, how do you think they're going to react to that? I think they're they're going to find that plug right there funny. That came came as a surprise to me too. But uh, you know, they probably they probably don't care. They probably know I'm getting my work done. Obviously, I have straight A's, so it's fine. I'm posting during school, getting the brand up. There you go. Uh, by the way, I mean, I, and I'm and I'm going to compliment you when I tell you this. The fact you have great grades, and th- as far as I'm concerned, as long as your grades are good, you got extra time. Yeah. Hey, man, you can do a lot of you know a lot of weird things that if you're just posting on I do a podcast on, every week. Yeah, what I'm saying is you're you're doing good. Like that's the that's the stuff yeah. to do. You know, it's tough to manage it because I do have something every day. But. Don't you? I mean, you could always hire a social media manager, nah. but they, but they won't do the job that you would do, right? Exactly. It's, I like keeping it how I like it. I like making my own content. Maybe in the future, if I work for a company, then maybe. But how long does it take to take a post and put it on Instagram? How long is that usually for you? So say it's like a news thing and Jalen Carter. So I'll go on Twitter, find a thing of Jalen Carter, screenshot it, put it in a post, go to my app, post it, and then probably two minutes. That's a that's it? You can do the whole thing in like two minutes? Well, it's so easy to do it on my phone. It comes out pretty well. So when you do these like photos of these people on your post, you're like taking like a photo and then you just uh, crop it, save it, and kind of use whatever photo you find on your on your Instagram post. So for a graphic like this that I'm showing you right here. Yeah, where'd you, you get that from? How long do you think that took me to make? That, well, I mean, you probably just found that someplace nope. and then oh, you made that yourself? Yep. You built I've, that? Yeah, I've never taken something from something else. Oh, really? So all of this stuff, all myself. Really? So I the whole Antoine Davis post, that was what, what I what's the app, What's the app used for that? What do you have? Pixel Cut on my phone. It's actually pretty good. Pixel Cut? It works well. Excellent. Adrian, you know about that one? Yes, I do. All right. Very nice. You guys are on the same wave. You guys speak the same languages, <laughs> don't you? You're a little bit different. No, I like yeah, that. Yeah, different. That's, that's good. Different. Yeah, In a good way. Canva, Adobe over here. There you go. All right, good. And by the way, I could tell you use your phone a lot because you got that little battery on the back of it, just to give it some ex- <laughs> just to give it some extra juice, right? You know, one time I had my phone to YouTub game because I was trying to check the score, so I asked Adrian. He says, "Oh, you need to get the battery pack." So maybe that's why. Oh, really? So Adrian's the reason you've got that battery pack like on it. the back of your phone. I wasn't where I did have it before, but I didn't use it as much until he told me that. And now you're and now you're using. Does it help? It does help. My phone hasn't died since. Good for you, man. I Way like to go. It. Good right. stuff, Lane. Good job, you two. Way to go on the battery pack. That's phenomenal. All right, um, let me ask you a question here. Ready? Um, so we were talking about this before we started. Yep. UTIP right now is a 10 seed. Okay. okay. It's terrible. Well, it, but, but. There's a chance. But, no, no, here's the thing, okay? Conference USA tournament starts next week. If they move up to an 8 or a 9 and they win that first round game, do you know who they play in the second round? Ford Atlantic. Yes. If they stay at either a 10 or a 7 and they win that first-round game, they get... UAB? No. North Texas? Yes. Well, they can beat everybody in Conference USA but Florida Atlantic. Right. They so, well, so, the point, so the point is, if I'm UTEP, and Adrian and I were talking about this they before we brought North you Texas on. They North Texas and UAB at so one point. So you don't want to see them tank and lose these last two games, but... You also don't want to see them as an 8 or a 9. So how do you play this? Because you're tied right now with La Tech for that 10 spot. But La Tech has the tie break, so they're the 9 and UTEP's the 10. And then right above them, you have Western Kentucky and Florida International one game ahead of UTEP and La Tech. 
So you got to be really careful here because if UTEP was to win out, and let's say they got a little help, they could jump from 10 to 7, okay? But they could also jump from 10 to 9 or 10 to 8. And if that happens, now they're locked in with Florida Atlantic in the second round no matter what happens uh, after that. It's like dead still blade tournaments. Sometimes it can be better if you're a lower seed. I can use Michigan last year being an 11 seed, not a 10 seed or a 9 seed. If you're a 9 seed, you have to play the 1 seed in the next round matchup. They got to play number 3 seed. They won that matchup, and then they moved on to Sweet 16. So college basketball is weird with that, with seeding, in my opinion. Now, I like we, it though. We all know that uh, the chances of UTEP winning uh, yep. the Conference USA tournament are slim to none, but we still want to see them do well. And it's difficult. Anybody going up against Florida Atlantic is going to be a major challenge. Now, um, we also know that UTEP played Florida Atlantic pretty tough in El Paso for a while. And then, and then Florida. They, yeah. And in Florida, it was a different story. This is going to be it's in a different Frisco. level team, but so, college basketball. You're right. And you want to know something? Florida Atlantic is not going to be as invincible in Frisco as they normally are in their home gym in Boca. But I still wouldn't want to play them anyway. I would rather feel that they're the—look, if you're the 10 or the 7 and you win and you get North Texas, they've got a shot. They've got a shot at North Texas. They've had had North Texas on the ropes twice so far this season. Okay, so this is a Power 5 conference, and these are the top 10 seeds as of right now. For the tournament, and you tell me which conference this is. The one seed in this conference is going to be a one seed. The two seed is out of the tournament. The three seed is in. Four seed is in. Five seed is in. Six seed is in. Seven seed is in. Eight seed is in. And nine seed is in. Guess what? I mean, guess which conference this is, and then who's that number two team? They're saying the two seed is the only the one in the top ten that is projected to go to the NCAA tournament. Interesting. That's Michigan. Oh, wow. In the Big Ten. All right. Michigan can win a share of the regular season title if they win out the rest of their games. And right now, there's things the two seed in the Big Ten, even though they're lackluster. And you're telling me that the Big Ten right now is projected to send nine teams to the tournament? Pretty much. And Michigan isn't a part of that. Every single seed, two through, or three through nine, one. Should there be a cap on these leagues and how many teams they could send into the tournament? Ten seems nine and ten seems ridiculous. You know what it does, but then at the same time you start going over to some of the other mid majors. Are you really going to put a second exactly. team out of the conference USA over yeah. you know that ninth Big Ten team? Uh, I know it's tough. I know the Big Twelve probably will send just as much or maybe on par, uh, you know, as amount of uh, the, uh, teams like the well, Big Ten. But have those teams represent you? Not maybe the mid Doesn't the Big Ten always crap out in the tournament anyway? Isn't yeah, that Michigan much has to carry thing? them every single year. So that's what I'm saying. Why, why, I mean, that's that's my but, problem. With, I always think the Big Ten is the most overrated conference when it comes to the tournament. That can be right. A Big 12 co- co- uh, team in that conference projected to make the NCAA tournament. They were up to as number 11 two weeks ago. Iowa State, they were top of their game. They, not, they might not make the tournament now. They've lost about five of their last six games, which is terrible, and their point guard just got kicked off the team. Mm-hmm. Caleb yeah. Grill. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a big issue. So, uh, I don't think they're getting in now. If you don't have your point guard and you've been losing, you're not getting in. That's conference in uh, in your mind in college basketball. We're we talking Big 12, Big 12 oh, by Big, far? By far. SEC's good, but Alabama's invincible. Who's your favorite Big 12 team at this point? It was Texas until last night. I really thought Texas was national championship caliber, but I just don't see a dominant big man on that team. I see too many guards. Yeah, they, they did build it. That's that's the one thing it's lacking right now. Is it big? Is it true big? That's what I Kansas agree. had last year with David McCormick. They had so many good guards, and then they complemented it with a big, big like so, David McCormick. So if Texas, so would you say K-State right now is the best team? Is it Kansas? Who do you like? K-State's definitely an option. Kansas, you know, they're good, but they can show vulnerability. Grady Dick can still go 0 for 7 from the field like he did the other night. Dejon Harris isn't exactly the best guard in college basketball. Let me look at some other teams in there. 
TCU, by the way, beating Texas. TCU, 75-73. And uh, Sir Jabari Rice, the former Aggie, scored 16 for uh, the Longhorns. But that's a bad loss for them. And again, uh, you're right. Let me go with Baylor. You got Jonathan Traumachachua, who came back about two weeks ago. That's a good big for you. You have LJ Cryer. You have Keontae George. You have Adam Flagler. It's a great squad. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, Baylor, by the way, they are loaded like uh, a lot of teams in college basketball. They're the seventh, seventh ranked team in the country, right?